0: Welcome! you found the Out of the Ordinary Podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy.
1: And a few of my favorite ordinary summer things are roses in my garden, a dash through the lawn sprinkler, and fresh
0: corn on the cob, grilled. And a few of mine are watermelons so sweet that the juice runs down your face and stains your elbows, campfires that smell of sweet pine cones, and vanilla-flavored iced coffee with cream that can crack any face into a grin. We hope these conversations
1: help you see the extra hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life too. Get comfy. Here we go. Welcome back from your vacation, friend. I was following along, as (laughs) many others were, I'm sure, on Instagram, as you shared stories. I was especially enamored of those cornfields. Oh, Oh, my goodness. So
0: beautiful. (laughs) There's nothing like Michigan. It gives you both lakes and cornfields. And in my opinion, both of them have the same effect on my soul. There's something about that, like the water on a lake where the wind blows across it, and the wind blowing across a cornfield, and the corn ripples like water. And you can stand out there for hours until you get bitten by all the mosquitoes that want to come inside. (laughs) But yeah, we just got back from 10 days up north, which is funny because when I was sharing on Instagram that I was going... To Michigan, I just wrote headed up north, and all these people messaged me back. And they're like, You have to be from Michigan to know what that means. Like, (laughs) I love how they talk about that. So, yeah, we went way up north all the way to Traverse City area, and it was beautiful. So, yeah, this is the point where we should plug our Instagram so people can follow us there too, because the kind of conversations we have here on the podcast do trickle over into our social spaces. So, find me, I'm at Lisa Joe Baker.
1: And I'm at Christy Purifoy, and I love Instagram. That you, 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 we can share stories there as well. Right, it's it's not just you know images in the grid, but I get to hear your voice and your stories,
0: and um, yeah, which I think is a good fit with this storytelling podcast. Yes, and I think it's funny. I was talking to another friend recently about social media and saying how much I prefer Instagram stories to just the grid of Instagram, and I think it's. I think it's because of that, the the storytelling dynamic where it's really like images and words in a progression. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, both of my brothers are in the filmmaking business. And so every time I create on Instagram, especially a narrative, so an arc, you know, a 10 days of being in Michigan, deciding which pictures to share and which videos. And I like to add music and text. And it's not just it's never me talking to the camera. It's always you experiencing the place. Um, I always feel a little bit like the director of my own movie, you know, like my brothers are, like I'm creating this little movie. And um, it's strange. I wonder if it's this way for you, because as sort of a verbal written processor, I find that often when I'm in the middle of an experience like that, like Being on vacation, you know, we've socially distanced and isolated for the last five five months or so. Um, Our family and then Pete's parents and his brother and sister have been very strict, so we felt safe coming together in a house we had rented up north. And when I'm having an experience that's so meaningful, sometimes it's hard for me to process it when I'm in the middle of it. But in the evenings, if I sit down. And I create a short little recap, essentially, of the day through video and images. And then I I write. I put words on the slides, too. I feel like once I've done that, I've really processed the day. I don't know if you feel that way, but it gives me Mm -hmm. like peace and closure. And I remember on our last night there, I was so overwhelmed by the beauty of the experience and I'll share more about the story, but I'll just say this. One of Peter's uncles, we were on his farm in um, Ann Arbor area, and he does this amazing thing at the end of like a big trip like that. He does huge huge fireworks that he shoots off like in front of the cornfields, like not close enough to be dangerous for the corn, but that's the panoramic background. And he sets up all these chairs and you come outside and he does fireworks into this black, black, black night sky because you're out in the middle of nowhere. And the fireworks can only start at like 1030 because it doesn't get dark there until so late. And so it was very late by the time I was sitting down to process, but I could not go to sleep because my heart and my mind were... Were so full. And at one in the morning, I finally gave up trying to sleep, sat down on the sofa and posted pictures and reflections and video from the time. And then I finally felt like, oh, okay. I can go, mm-hmm. I can go to sleep now. And I'm mm-hmm. curious, do you ever feel that way about the experiences you're in the middle of? Do you have to process in order to absorb them? I do.
1: I really do. I, I'm curious if others feel this way, because I often feel in the moment things are happening so quickly. Yes. <laughs> I sort of want everything to slow down, but of course I don't really. Um, but moments come at us very quickly. Sensations come at us very quickly and I'm trying to take it all in. And you're right. It is only later when I sit down to look at photos, put them together. I feel like there's other ways to do this, but right. you know, whether it's scrapbooking or journaling um, for you and I it might be telling some stories on Instagram or writing, but i think it does i think that is the gift of creative tasks is that they help us order our experiences so that we can understand them like a story because right. we we it's almost like story is our <laughs> you you often talk about our in our DNA. Yes. <laughs> Storytelling is in our DNA, right? It's right. how we're made to understand our world is to tell stories and to understand um, our experiences through stories. And so, yeah, responding to our experiences in these creative ways um, is, I think, it's probably not just something you and I do, but I think it, it's probably um, a practice probably for many. Universal. Even if they don't notice it. So, maybe you and I drawing attention to yeah. it here, people will realize, oh, I do that, or I could do that, or maybe... I didn't do that. I stopped journaling or I stopped scrapbooking. And that's why I have this sense that I'm not really experiencing you know, the fullness of things the way I once did or, or something like that. So yeah, I'm grateful to Instagram for helping me do that.
0: Yeah. I think the way I would describe it is that when you're in the middle of experiences that are really beautiful, they're outside of me and I'm absorbing them through my senses. And it's it's almost like eating them. I always mm-hmm. love how scripture often uses that analogy like they ate the words of the Lord and it feels to me like I'm trying to metabolize the experiences that I'm having in order to move them like from my head then into my mouth and then down into my gut and my heart. I have to take photos, write about them. And what's funny is when I go on vacation like that, I always put an out of office on my email. I really don't check it. I don't check any of my voice messages, my texts, nothing. I'm really offline. And I tell people I'm going to be offline, but then I think they must think I'm weird because I'm then constantly (laughs) like sharing on social, which is weird because I end up sharing more on social media than I typically would. But I'm not reading the messages that are coming back necessarily. I'm I'm really doing it for myself because once I arrive in a place that's that stimulating and that's the other thing after you've been closed up at home for five or six months (laughs) and suddenly you're released back out into the world (laughs) of beauty and we're so thick in nature up there. You just have to respond in a way that helps you really absorb it to the max, and so for me, it becomes photos and video and storytelling, and it reminds me, as any good story do, it picks up the thread of former plots, right? And I think my um, kids—it's so funny—anytime we watch a show with them now, you can tell they're like in a house of like writers and moviegoers because they'll say things like, "Ooh, foreshadowing! That's foreshadowing!" or you know. Like, oh, connection. Did you see how it connected to this in this episode previously? And plot points are like threads that a writer, a good writer, tries to pull through. And in our lives, when we look at them, we see the same thing, of course. But it's funny, some plot threads are very dramatic, some are very painful, some are very sad or romantic. But there are others that they evoke an emotion in us, but they are not from other humans. So, in this case, I'm talking about just the experience I had again of driving from Maryland to up north in Michigan and watching the change of the landscapes as we pass through, you know, Pennsylvania and Ohio and into Michigan and then northern Michigan and then into farm country around Ann Arbor. There is that. That memory, that visceral memory of a story I lived, and it really has to do with landscape and how in America, I'm constantly trying to explain to people who aren't from here that the U.S. is like many countries in one You know, each state has a pretty unique landscape, often a unique accent, unique foods that are from there, cultural traditions that are relevant to that state. And we know that because of stories you've shared from growing up in Mm -hmm. Texas and then how different that is to Chicago, which is so different Mm -hmm. to Florida, and now Pennsylvania, where you are. And it was funny, you know, Christy, I, as I was sitting in that car driving and watching the landscape change, I thought back to like 20 something years ago. When I first came to America and I arrived from South Africa, which has, you know, South Africa is interesting because it has beaches, it has mountains, it kind of has a great combo. But one of the things we don't really have are the dense growth of trees, the way you see on the East Coast, for example. And I remember arriving from Pretoria, South Africa, flying into Boston is where we landed and then driving out to the North Shore of Boston where Gordon College, where I attended a small Christian liberal arts school, is located in the tiny town of Wenham. And it is just surrounded by essentially like pine trees, but then many, many, many other trees. And what I learned from my friends who had come from the East, from the West Coast to come to college. So I had friends from California who on purpose had come to the East Coast because, as they told me, they wanted to experience fall and all the trees and Mm. all the colors. And so they knew what they were in for. I, however, had no idea. And so when I heard them saying that, I was like, oh, you know, cool, Americana, like fall. I've never had that either. But I will tell you what, Christy, you and I once again have a difference here because while you have a love story with trees, I I don't want to say the word hate because that's not true. But I definitely have a more oppressive story when it comes to trees. (laughs) Because I remember, and Peter will bring this up like 20 something years later as we're driving through the Midwest again, he says to me, isn't this awesome? And then when we get into up North Michigan where there's quite a lot of trees and our house was surrounded by trees, he's like, ooh, are the trees bothering you? <laughs> like, <laughs> he knows, but it's because I remember telling him when we were in this tiny college town, I would tell him, I can't see the horizon. Like all these trees are trying to suffocate me and drink up all my oxygen. (laughs) Why are there all these trees pressing in on me? And at first, my first year there, I don't think I really had words for what, what I was experiencing. I didn't actually understand it, but it was visceral. Like I remember feeling that way. And I remember the first time I went home to South Africa and we landed in Johannesburg and then drove home from Johannesburg to Pretoria. It is just open and Flat as far as the eye can see, and I remember taking a a huge gulp of air and being like, oh, "I can see the world again." You know, like I'm not being held hostage by all these trees. <laughs> and it's one of those weird plot twists that you don't pay attention to, but like twenty years later, as we're driving through the Midwest again. I was having that experience, like, and I guess it's not the mid-Midwest, but, you know, we're heading into that flat part of the country. And Peter and I were laughing as I was saying, oh, I just love it. I love it so much. Like, I love Michigan farm country. I love that you can see as far as the eye goes. You know, I love being on the lake. You could just see flat out into the openness. And so for me, it was just a reminder of a funny quirk about America that I had discovered accidentally. That reminded me the landscape itself in countries tells its own story. And in Mm -hmm. America, from state to state, the landscape tells its own story. And Pete's family have been going up to northern Michigan now for four generations. Isn't that crazy? Like his grandpa's grandpa have all gone up to that tiny little traverse lake where they had it's a great story, um, and I'll add it to the podcast, but I'm going to pause first and ask you about landscape and if it has been part of the storytelling of your life, too, which I know it has.
1: You know it has. <laughs> You're speaking my language, Lisa Joe. It's true. I wrote a whole book, <laughs> Placemaker, about the places I've lived and the different kinds of trees in those places and um, how they help me make sense of my story, but so, you might be surprised to hear this, Lisa Joe, but that feeling of um, claustrophobia and can't breathe, I actually know that feeling really well. And as really? much as I love trees and I love forests, I love hiking through forests and walking through forests, I have learned, to my surprise, that I could never live in a forest or in a house that is right in the woods where it's surrounded yes. by tall trees. I couldn't do it. I know that feeling really? of... Um, like things are closing in on you. And for me, it's about the light. So Uh um, my first, at least the first experience where I really remember articulating this for myself, it was such a surprise because we were living in Florida at the time. And I've shared before on the podcast that that was a really hard season in our family life and we weren't happy there and we're struggling to feel connected to that place. And, but one of the really great gifts in the 2 years that we were there is that we took our first family vacation that wasn't with our young kids that wasn't to visit family.
0: Okay. You know the difference, right. right? Yeah, 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 I do. <laughs> yeah,
1: just just us. Right. And I think it only happened because we were so far from family and we were so unhappy in Florida. And we realized that, How oh, I don't remember how many hours it was, but we realized that, you know, it was fairly accessible for us to take a road trip with the kids and get all the way up into the mountains of North Carolina. Mm. And we'd never spent time there. And um, almost really out of desperation. Actually, no, I can tell you, Lisa Joe, this is why it happened. I'm just remembering this. when we were living in florida one of the things we did take advantage of for one year was a season pass option that's offered to florida residents for an inexpensive limited access pass to disney world
0: Uh, oh my kids! very hard for me to picture you there
1: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah (laughs) so we did that for a year and you know had very young kids and and you know had some good experiences but it you're right it is not my kind of place it i mean it's It's an artificial environment. It's hot. It's stimulating. You know, I would go with my kids and dream of walking through a quiet forest. (laughs) But there was one, one um, time we went, and it was just like everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. It was miserable. I mean, the kids had fun, but I was miserable. Um, the I don't remember what the, the monorail, the thing you used yeah, to get around. Yeah, yeah. I got on the wrong one. Oh, we ended no. up in a whole other park. It was, it was terrible. Oh, no. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's exacerbated <laughs> and, by the humidity and young yes, children. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, it was awful. And when we got home that night, I remember sort of crying to John, like, I know I should be grateful, but I just want a, vaca- a family vacation where it's it's not hot and there's not a thousand people and we don't have to wait in line for hours. And that night I Googled just out of the blue mountain cabin vacation rental. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> and that is often how it happens for me is that I I I have to be like almost pushed up against a wall and really miserable before I say, "Oh, do I have a choice to make here? Yeah. Could I choose something different? Yeah. Or do I just keep accepting, you know, right. the, the things that are thrown at me?" And and in that desperation, I thought, "What could we do this? Could we take our young kids on a on a vacation and mm-hmm. rent a little cabin in the woods?" So that's how it happened. And and we did. We we um went up to North Carolina rented this little cabin on a creek right in the middle of the woods. So, wow. little log cabin surrounded by trees. You're like and it a
0: postcard, was, basically.
1: Yes, yes. And it, it was a magical... I, I still remember that vacation as like a touchstone, like a gift, like a promise. And actually, oh, this, this story just makes me jump all around, so forgive my slightly chaotic narrative. But there is... Um, when we first moved to Pennsylvania from Florida... And we found this home, Maplehurst, where we live. There's there's sort of two ways to access it from the highway. And if you go one way, you you really feel that you're winding your way up a quite a substantial hill, and it's very wooded. And I remember the first time we drove that way to the new home, telling Jonathan, I feel like we're back in North Carolina. Oh, it just wow. reminded me of that vacation yeah. so much. And even now, eight years after moving here, often when I'm on that little curvy road, I think, yeah, that vacation, North Carolina, those woods, and what a gift it was! It was like a, it really did feel like a promise that um, at at some point, <laughs> you know, you'll find your way to a place that feels right and feels good. But here's here's what I wanted to share, Lisa Joe, That might surprise you: is that week in that cabin, there were so many great experiences. Um, I loved playing in creeks and streams with the kids, but in that cabin, I realized how dark it was. Mm. There wasn't. There was very little natural light coming in. We couldn't see sunrise, we couldn't see sunset. All day long, it was very dim. And that was a gift after, you know it was a good place to be when we lived in Florida, because, of course, in Florida, it's bright, hot sunshine all the time. Um, I was always slathering sunscreen on the kids. And, um, and so it, you know, it was nice to have that dim, shady, cool week. But I realized that week. Oh, I could never live here. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't live like this. I, I, I too want sun flooding and windows, a wide open view. Um, I think a farming landscape has always spoken to me. I think that's in my family DNA. It reminds me of trips we took to my grandmother's farm growing up, where you can see often in, off into the distance, you can see cattle, you know, spread out across the field, um, and you know, as much as, uh, you know, there were things about the Texas landscape that didn't feel comfortable to me, that kind of wide open spaces, big sky, um, is something I've realized, I've learned that I do actually crave. It's yeah, imprinted yeah, I do on you. Want.
0: It and is. I've written about this in my first book, Surprised by Motherhood, this idea that where we grow up, even if we don't live there, like I only lived in South Africa my teenage years essentially, and then came to college in the States. But the DNA of that landscape has imprinted on me so powerfully that that is how I define beauty now. So for me, beauty needs to be a little bit raw, a little bit wide open, almost like dry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, with tons and tons of sky and then the skyline is really important to me. And I think when I was on the East Coast, as beautiful it is, as it is, and it is stunning, like especially in the fall. And we did, the word I learned coming to the East Coast, we did go leaf peeping, which is apparently <laughs> a thing. <laughs> yep, yep. And it would be precious, you know, I drive through all these little towns and New England is so beautiful. But what I realized is, and it's this is the best way I can describe it when I couldn't see the horizon, I felt like I, I, you know, like a sailor, I think, you know, and you read about them, they needed to be able to see the horizon to orient where Mm -hmm. they were going. And without being able to see it, I felt almost like when you, when you take a somersault or you tumble upside down and you lose your sense of direction, mm-hmm. like which way is up? And mm-hmm. so there was like claustrophobia, but almost like a low-grade nausea, like where am I? Like I can't, mm-hmm. my brain couldn't orient. There was nothing to define where I am in relation to the rest of the world is how it felt to me. And I, you know what's interesting is often when we're in a situation like that where something feels disorienting, we don't know it until we are then in a different situation then we can contrast the two, right? Mm-hmm. Often, mm-hmm. And I think sadness is sometimes like that. You're living through sadness or even in the season where we've lived away from people, like we recognize that that's hard, but you don't realize how hard it's been until you're with people again. And that's how it felt for us being back with family it really felt like, oh, wow, it's really been hard. (laughs) It's been bad. And I didn't realize how much I was struggling those four years on the East Coast until Peter and I moved to grad school. And I will never forget it. I graduated college. On the day of my graduation ceremony, he bought a new car. And by new, I mean like second, second, second hand. you know, this old little, this tiny little car. It was like, I think I don't know if Ford is the brand, but the name of the car is a Tempo. They're like these old little getabouts. (laughs) And it's the the reason I mentioned this is my father could never remember. He was at graduation with us and had helped Pete when he was trying to pick out a car quickly because we had to drive cross country for grad school. And my dad always referred to Peter's car as the Temple. So anyway, and it was so not is all I have to say about that car. (laughs) Anyway, but when we packed everything up after the summer, still we were still on the summer, uh, still on the East Coast that summer. But we drove then from Massachusetts to Indiana and I it was like having like a rebirth experience like I had not realized up until that point how diverse America's landscape was I had only been in Massachusetts I hadn't been anywhere else was like a poor student you know where am I going to travel to so but as we drove across the U.S. and the landscape just opened up in front of me and there was just rolling hills then going into flatness I just remember like turning to Peter and almost starting to cry and him saying, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you would love the Midwest. And his family thought it was so funny because I used to always just like regale them with my passionate love for the Midwest. And they would say, nobody, nobody says that. (laughs) Like, Nobody's like, oh, yay. It's just flat for days with nothing. (laughs) I was like, I love it so much. It's like coming home. And so it's, uh, it's been a very special part of my story because for someone who lived in South Africa and has always considered herself South African, to adopt a country and then discover within that country, there's the the echoes of home, right? There Mm. are all these places that are familiar with their beauty and their barrenness and their open skies. So it's been a really special story. And for our kids, what was fun too, since they live so far from family all the time, in being with peter's family again the beauty of family is that we retell our stories right over and over again and i remember zoe one day as we were driving in the car after we'd been up really late the night before and everyone had been telling stories about coming up to the lake and this tiny little cabin and pete's grandpa's grandpa had been a preacher back in the you know day And couldn't, of course, afford to go on vacation anywhere and had some congregants in the church that said, oh, we have this tiny little cabin up on Little Traverse Lake. You should come and spend some time with us. And so they had. And it had been this perfect vacation because all you need is like you're on a little lakefront and the kids can just play and it's essentially free entertainment. And at the time, there was really not not much up there. And so they had loved it so much that they saved up and bought like this tiny little cabin. And when I say cabin, maybe you're imagining something out of like an L.L. Bean catalog and that it's not... <laughs> what it was like imagine like shack instead of cabin with an outhouse like the whole deal so he bought this tiny little shack on the lake and his family just kept coming for generations and generations until one of the aunts went on to buy something a little more established and the family would all take turns coming up And Zoe, as we were driving home one day, just like gave this big sigh and said, I just loved listening to all the stories. I did not know, mom, that we are lake people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh!" And I realized like, yes, like there is something about inheriting the patterns of vacationing, the patterns of the landscape that we gravitate toward that becomes a love story It gets passed down many, many generations that my nine-year-old can now claim all of those generations (laughs) of lake vacations as her own. Oh, I love that. I did not
1: know we were lake people. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. I feel like there's often um, conversation around, are you a beach person? Are you a mountain person? Yeah. And Jonathan and I have said for years now that we are mountain lake people. Oh, I (laughs) We like like water, but we like it up on a mountain. (laughs) We like cool, we like shady.
0: (laughs) You would have liked it. It was so perfect this week.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. And I love um, that it sparked, I don't know, these memories and this thinking and these stories. And I feel like I know you in new and deeper ways. And isn't that a miracle after 20 years of friendship that that's still possible? And
0: I also like that if our families all got a house together, we wouldn't get one in the woods. Like we would all get one. (laughs) with a big horizon. <laughs> Absolutely <That's> comforting somehow. <laughs> oh man, if you guys have been listening and you are tree people, you know, give me a dense forest, I want to be up in it. Or if you're lake people or if you're desert people, that's part of the U.S. I haven't spent time in, but I'd like to. And our mutual friend, Amy, she's out in um, New Mexico for a month with her family. I think there's so many landscapes in the U.S. I still look forward to falling in love with, but I'd love if you tagged us on Instagram and let us know, share a picture of some of your favorite spaces. I'm at Lisa Joe Baker. And I'm at Christy Purifoy. And we love the love stories that come from the places where we live the places we travel to, but really the places that I think somehow own us more than we own them. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image.
1: And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.